Happy Mother's Day. We are so glad that you are tuning in and hope that this is an incredible day for you. Often we get I don't know, anywhere between two inches and two feet of snow on Mother's Day, and that hasn't happened yet today, so hopefully you can get outside safely and enjoy the beautiful day wherever you might be tuning in. Uh, we also want to address, we know that today brings up uh, really a lot of emotions. Uh, for some, it's a, a time of celebration and joy and happiness and reflection and others uh, sadness and pain and loss and, and fractured relationship for a, a number of reasons. Uh, and so whichever camp that you might be in, uh, we just want you to know uh, we're praying for you. Uh, we're praying that God kind of come alongside you with whatever you are feeling today. Uh, know that he loves you and he cares uh, deeply about you. I also want to uh, continue to encourage you to go on our website and RSVP for the Seniors Drive-By Parade that we're going to do next Saturday. So please go on our website, rockcreekchurch.org. You can even do that right now. It'll take you 60 seconds to RSVP and make sure that you're part of that. We're really, really excited uh, to do that with uh, the graduating seniors. Uh, so that's going to be a fun time. All right, we have been in this series in the book of 1 Peter that we have titled... Hope in the midst of chaos. And if you're tuning in with us, maybe for the first time, you missed the past couple of weeks, we actually set this kind of message series. Uh, we, we kind of set this a year in advance that we were going to study this uh, book in the Bible and titled it Hope in the Midst of Chaos. And so God obviously knew what he was doing, preparing our hearts and preparing this book for us. And we hope that it's been a blessing for you. If you've missed the past couple of weeks, you can go on our website under messages and uh, catch up, uh, take a look at those uh, sermons. But today uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you don't have your Bibles, hit pause, run and grab those. And what we're looking at is what does it mean as we've kind of unpacked that we're going to be living as exiles in this foreign land, this land that really this is not our home, this is not our permanent residency. How do we do that? And what we're looking at this morning is how do we grow? How do we grow in the midst of where we live? Do we uh, join a Bible study? Do we get an accountability partner? Do we join a life group? Do we make a one-time commitment to God? Do we make a daily commitment to God? Do we memorize scripture? Do we tithe? What, what is it that grows us? And what we're going to see from the wisdom of Peter is that it is the Word of God. That the Word of God is the thing, the, the catalyst, the foundation that allows us to grow. And without that, we can't expect to grow. Uh, now, those are some pretty bold lines that we're drawing in the sand, but we're going to unpack that as we move forward. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. It says this, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Only three verses this morning. 
uh, that we're going to be unpacking. Peter wrote this epistle really towards the end of his life, around uh, 64 AD, and uh, written from Rome really towards the end of his life. He's a, uh, an older man, and he's kind of reflecting on everything and now giving that guidance uh, to the church. He's writing to Jewish believers, Jewish Christians that have adopted and, and, and have chosen to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And these are people we read earlier in chapter 1 that they were chosen by God to live in exile. They were chosen by God to live in a foreign way. Now remember, living in exile wasn't necessarily a new thing. Most people in the first century church did not live in the land that they were born into. But this is very specific. This is you are living in exile because of your belief. Remember, these are people who were actually being ostracized by the culture around them because of the morals and ethics and standards that they held as followers of Jesus Christ. And at the end of chapter 1, Peter commanded the readers to love one another. We talked about that last week. That, that one of the foundational aspects of a Christ follower is to actually love others. And at the start of chapter 2, he ties that same theme in with the importance of the Word of God in our spiritual growth. And we, we will see that we really can't have one without the other. The command in verse 2 is... This, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. But before Peter gets to this, he tells the readers to lay aside those things that hinder us from actually doing that. Those things that hinder us from living out the faith that, that Alex talked about in week two and to love one another that we talked about in last week at the end of chapter one. He talks about laying aside those things that hinder us from desi desiring and then receiving God's word. He says to lay aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and if that weren't enough, all evil speaking. Now, uh, answer a question. Peter's not talking in uh, full exhaustive points here. He's using these as an example of attitudes and actions that both look back and look forward. He's going to do both of these. They look back on the command given by just a few verses earlier, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. And then they look forward to the command to desire the pure milk of the word of the Lord that we may grow thereby. And that's in verse 2. And what Peter's really getting at here is that the sinful attitudes and the actions that are mentioned here in his epistle, they actually hinder us from loving one another as God has loved us. In his commentary on 1 Peter, Wayne Grudem, uh, who's one of my favorite commentary writers, he says this, someone who is practicing deceit or envy or slander will not be able to truly long for pure spiritual milk. It's not possible. If you're entertaining those things, you also can't desire the Word of God. The, the two block one another. 
Ernest Best, another commentator, says this in his writings, the ability to receive spiritual nourishment and the sharing of fellowship with other Christians are actually interdependent, which, which means the idea of us growing, of us taking the word of God and allowing it to sink into our being and change us from inside out is actually tied to community. It's actually tied to community within the church. Now, in the first century church, very few, if anybody, owned their own Bible. It didn't exist. So the only way that they would hear the word of God, the only way that they would read the scriptures is in gatherings like this at church. Maybe it wasn't Sunday morning, maybe it was another day, maybe it was at night, but it was a time to light a candle, huddle around the uh, scriptures, and then read it. That was the only way that they had access to it. And so Peter takes a look and he says, it certainly appears that the way one prepares to come into church matters. That the way you treat one another matters. The way that you've lived your life before you've come to church actually matters. Notice that all of these things that Peter brings up are all community related. Evil speaking to one another. Envy of another. Hypocrisy towards another. Deceit of another. Malice towards another. It's community. And the mentioned sins aim at harming other people, where what Peter is really pushing at the end of chapter one is when you love one another, you actually build up. You don't harm. And this begs the question, how do we grow up? How do we do what we read about in chapter one? How do we apply that at the beginning of chapter two in our everyday life, in your everyday life right now, in your living room, in your kitchen, in your office, at home, wherever you're watching this, how do you actually grow up? So once again, I want to say happy Mother's Day. This might seem at an odd time to be talking about hypocrisy and deceit and envy and malice on Mother's Day. However, if we take a deeper look than just what's on the surface of the pages, we're going to see that this is exactly perfect for Mother's Day. We didn't plan this. It just so happened, but God did. And so let's dive together. We're going to read again 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. We've read it twice. Now we're going to read it three times. Like newborn babies, you must grave, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now, babies crave spiritual, if you would, milk. There's a reason why they call it gold syrup or, or liquid gold, because it is so valuable to the baby. Uh, in fact, uh, if you're a newborn uh, baby, your mom is either going to provide it for you or she's going to go pump and give it in a, into a bottle. And if that happens to spill... Uh, you are doing everything to salvage that milk, right? Because it is pure liquid gold. Why? Because the baby craves it. In our culture, we will tend to breastfeed uh, babies for about the first six months of their lives. And that milk, by God's miraculous design, has everything that a baby needs. 
It contains everything that the baby needs to grow and crave in a healthy way. Carbohydrates, vitamins, proteins, minerals, water. It's easily digested and efficiently used. That's what the milk is for, for a newborn. In fact, breast milk, and, and who would have thought that you'd be tuning into church and, and, and listening about breast milk all day, but you are. But nevertheless, this milk contains one to five million white blood cells per milliliter. Now, for some of you that don't understand that, what a milliliter or a liter or anything like that is, let me just explain it to you. That is more than 100 times what your normal blood carries in a given moment. One to five million white blood cells. It's liquid gold. When a baby is hungry, he or she will make its desire known usually by a scream or a cry or a lifting of the shirt. Somehow that baby is going to make it known, I'm hungry, I'm craving, I'm crying out for something that I need. Babies usually will eat two, three times a day. However, fun fact, in Kunk San of South Africa, mothers will often breastfeed their babies 50 to 100 times a day. Now, I know some of you moms have just rolled your eyes or you've shaken your head, or if you've looked at your husband, or you've looked at your kids and went, if you needed to eat that many times, you would go hungry, because I am not feeding you 50 to 100 times a day. But in this region of Kung San in South Africa, they have realized it is so important uh, for not only the physical, but the relational side. And so they literally, all they do is feed all day long, every day. All of this to say, moms... You are vital to our existence. You already knew that. I'm just reminding everybody else. You are vital to our existence. Dads, we fix things. Moms, you keep us alive. One of them is more important than the other, okay? So that's the importance of it. And Peter says, as Christ followers, we are to hunger for God's word like a little baby craves its mother's milk. That's the calling that we have. The expression, quote, the pure milk of the word can also be translated pure spiritual milk. The Greek says to logikon adalon gala. And logikon, this is why the Greek sometimes is really, really important to understand. Logikon is only used twice in the entire New Testament. Here in 1 Peter chapter 2, and then again in Romans 12 verse 1, where it refers to as reasonable service. In other words, something that's important. It would be like today saying, uh, what is this COVID? Essential businesses. In Romans 12, 1 refers to reasonable uh reasonable service. And so it's important. It is only twice talking about it and often referred to as the word is related to logos, which Peter uses in the preceding text in verse 23. The translation, the pure milk of the word captures this absolutely perfectly. It's as if God knew exactly what he was talking about. Because just as milk provides a baby nourishment and strength, God's word provides spiritual nourishment 
and strength for the follower of Jesus. And P Peter calls it pure milk. That is, it is pure in the sense that there's no error. There's no problems. There's no mistakes. All of it is good for you. It's fully profitable for your growth. Now, let's talk about this. What is Peter not doing? Peter is not using the word milk to merely describe something that's less spiritual, something that maybe is only a few inches deep, but super wide. That's not what he's talking about. Paul contrasts the milk of the Word of God and the solid food of the Word of God. He, he references this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, where milk is referred to the food the baby Christian eats. And the author of Hebrew makes this same distinction on the different types of nourishment of the Word from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. But here... In 1 Peter, Peter is using milk to refer to all of the teachings that are found in the Scriptures. His point concerns the strong desire that we have to take in the Word of the Lord. The, the strong desire, the, the pull that we have to read the Scriptures. He is not suggesting in any way that his readers are young believers or that they only receive basic elementary milk-type teaching. That's not what's going on here. So that's the beginning half of our passage this morning. Now, because it's Mother's Day, let's talk about crying. Because Mother's Day wouldn't be Mother's Day without some kind of tears that are happening. Let's read uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, the latter part of verse 2 into verse 3. It says this, Cry out for this nourishment, this, this pure spiritual milk found in the Word of God. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Peter's remarks are actually an illusion, a, a loose reference, if you would, to Psalm 34, 8. And it says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So many people have said, well, how am I supposed to taste and see? And that's even a weird thing. How am I supposed to taste and see that the Lord is good? I'm not doing anything that's weird. Taste and see means... Try the scriptures out. Read the scriptures. See that God is good. See that his commands and his uh, provisions are absolutely perfect. And you will see that God is good. And then blessed is the man or woman who puts their faith and trust in him in what he says. Most commentators note that the word Lord in Psalm 34, 8 is Yahweh. And that it refers to to God, kind of a, a general sense of God. However, Peter and many Christian writers in the first century understood Yahweh in Psalm 34, 8 to refer to Jesus Christ. In fact, in the Old Testament, Yahweh was referred to the second person of the Trinity. That was only later understood when we read the Old Testament, but it was always still referring to Jesus. 
And that's why when you read the scriptures, when you read it from beginning to end, you read every single page, you will see Jesus on every single page because it's always been about him and it always will be about him. So Peter uses the word in in this passage, he uses a word for gracious or good that actually sounds in the original writing like Christ. This wasn't on accident. There was a reason why Peter, by guidance of the Holy Spirit, wrote certain words to give guidance to the churches and guidance that would withstand all time so that even you and I can be growing because of its words. The word he uses is krestos. You'll see it on your screen. Krestos, and it's a word that means kind or good. It's a good thing. And there's a play on words here. The reader of Peter's original epistle would see that Peter is actually talking about Christ, which in the Greek is Christos. So we've got Christos and Christos. Christos is the Lord, Christ. So in other words, Christ is Christos. He's kind and good to us. Whenever we consume him, whenever we spend time with him, whenever we read his words, whenever we follow him, it's good for us. To be kind or good is to respond to people with favor, with blessings, whether they deserve it or not. Now, let let me pause for a moment. We are not called as believers, as followers of Jesus, to just be kind and good to the people that deserve it. You know this because often you don't deserve to be kind or good reciprocated back to you. I don't. Your neighbor across the street, the person that you work with, uh, politicians that we see on television, they don't necessarily deserve it, but that's not what we're called to do. We are called to be kind and good as Christ is to us to those around us. And as we do that, we desire more of the word. We're going to see that here in just a moment. So Peter's point is that if a person learns from God's word, follow me on this. If a person learns from God's word, open up the scriptures, join a Bible study and begin to study God's word. And they find that God is gracious to those who love him and follow him then they grow by the desire to be in and to receive the Word of God. And then that begins a changed life. There's always this question of like, is it faith or is it works? Is it works or is it faith? Well, it's both. As you spend more time with God, your life reflects works in how you treat others, in how you accomplish the great commandments, to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. But without the Word... Without being in the scriptures, you don't have the nourishment, you don't have the strength, you don't have the fuel to do that. And this is a biblical principle. Jesus said that the one who has will receive more. Do you remember this verse? It's in Luke chapter 8 and Luke chapter 19. Jesus says the one who has will receive more, but the one who does not have will lose what he has. What does that mean? means the more that we taste the goodness of the Lord, the more that we desire His Word, and the more that we grow. And if we kick away from the Word of God, 
then we will lose all the goodness, we will lose all the fruit that God wants to grow up inside of you. And the Bible describes that as a sense of decay. And that's what we avoid. And growth, for the follower of Jesus, this is important. Hopefully this is some encouragement to you, whether you're a a kid tuning in all the way up to Polly, who we deeply love. She won uh, trivia night with Dan this Friday. This is a little bit of a tangent here. Dan and Polly won by a long shot. Polly was born in 1926 and won and destroyed everybody else, including Alex and Ben, who are sitting there with their heads hung. They haven't even come in the top three yet. Uh, But we have another uh, all-church family trivia this Friday. So if you'd love to come and prove that you're the best of the best, or at least laugh at others, please join us, 645. The link is on our website. Okay, back to things. How do we grow? We grow by spending time in the Word. And we grow day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade. It's not instantaneous. We grow by a slow spiritual walk towards God. And Peter says that because we've interacted with God through his word, because we have been fed time and time again with what the scriptures say, we are able to develop a cry for such interaction. That we literally crave it, that we cry out for some kind of interaction with God. You know, experts say in addition to consuming a mother's milk, they actually begin to crave more than just the milk. They they begin to crave and cry out for that interaction with the mom. So you may know this already, babies can only focus where it's clear, about 8 to 15 inches when they're newborn. Everything else is just fuzzy. So when you're farther away and they're smiling at you, it's, it's gas. It's not you. They can't even see you. Maybe. 8 to 15 inches is clear. So when a baby is in her mother's arms and the baby is consuming milk, yes, it's nourishment. Yes, it's liquid gold. Yes, it's giving the baby every nutrient and, and water and vitamins that that baby needs. And the baby craves it when they're hungry. They crave the milk. But the only thing the baby can see is the mother who's giving the nourishment. And experts say the baby actually begins to crave that interaction from the provider. It's a really special thing. And who would have thought that Mother's Day would be perfectly tied in with deceit and envy and malice? But to think that a baby looks at its mother's eyes and craves that relationship just as much as the milk, so it is with us and God. That yes, we get nourishment and strength from the words of the scriptures, but we look at the Father's face and we begin to crave that relational interaction. And Peter says, because you've tasted, because you've been embraced by the Father's arms, just as you are, cry out for it. Crave it. Want it more and more. 
Friends, if you have been born of God's Spirit, if, if the Spirit has put a taste in your mouth for the things of God, your primary growth is found in the Word of God. That is where you are going to grow the most. That is where your faith is going to take off. That's where your dependence on Him. That's where your hope on Him. That's where your ability to get through every day is going to be increased. Naps are great. A nice meal is great. Going for a walk is great. Sitting quietly, vegging out on Netflix, all of that is great to help sustain you. But the only thing that will truly sustain you and grow you is the Word of God. And this brings it all the way back around. We are living as Christ followers in a land as exiles. Why? Because the world around us, the culture around us, does not desire the things that are spiritual, much less the things that are of Jesus. It's not in their daily dietary plan. But it is for you. And we thirst and we hunger for the things that are not of this world. It's where we place our eyes. It's where we place our focus. And this is good. And this is why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They're not going to walk away hungry. They're not going to walk away wanting more. They're not going to walk away disappointed. They're going to walk away filled. And blessed are those people. So, so our passage this morning, this, this idea of, of hungering and thirsting for pure spiritual milk. The, the only thing that I can give you some guidance on is it's found right here. Begin with a verse a day. Bump that up to two verses a day. Begin with a chapter a day. It's not about being obedient so that you don't get in trouble with God. It's about growing. And if there's ever a time where maybe you have some extra time, this is it. If you can't find a little bit of extra time during this coronavirus where everybody's stuck at home, you're going to have a much more difficult time when things return to whatever normal it might look like. So begin today. Begin by just spending a, a couple of minutes in the Word. And I promise you it will not return void. So this morning, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, happy Mother's Day to my beautiful bride, Sandy. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, Diane, who's watching. Happy Mother's Day to Sandy's mom, Judy. And Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. You are vital. All kidding aside, we couldn't do it without you. Uh, we appreciate you so much. All the things that you do that go unnoticed, all those things that, that you do that don't get highlighted, thank you. Thank you for all that you do for us. Uh, and not just for us. So many of you are moms to other people. Uh, I think of uh, Judy Hansen, that is kind of mom to the church. I think of Lori Russo, that becomes mom to so many. So many of you mother and care for and nurture so many other people. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our church. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, and thank you for being a part of what God's doing on this earth. So God bless you, enjoy your day today, and let's pray together. 
So God, we love you. Uh, we are grateful for, um, yeah, we're just grateful for your word that gives us guidance. We're thankful for your word that gives us hope. We're thankful for your word that instructs us. And sometimes, uh, even if we don't desire it, we have to do it anyway. Maybe it's vegetables. <laughs> we don't desire to pull out a, a green pepper and start munching on it, but we know it's good for us and we know we ought to desire it. And so we just begin somewhere. And I pray that we would begin to desire and crave and cry out for your word that changes us. Thank you for the beauty of the day. Thank you for the warm sunshine and the flowers. Thank you for the mountains and the streams. Thank you for the birds of the air. Thank you for the green grass and the blowing wind and the clouds in the sky. Thank you that you are still on the throne, that even the waves and the wind and the mountains cry out to you. Help us to join with them. Thank you for Alex and Amanda uh, for leading us in worship. Pray a blessing on Amanda today as a mom, Teddy and Henry, that you would bless her this day. Thank you that we are the church. Thank you that we continue to be the church, even though at a distance. And we pray that that would come to uh, a conclusion quickly, that you would heal our land and allow us to regather. And until then, we promise to praise you and to worship you and to give you all that we have in our own ways and in our own means here and now. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.